What's up, everyone? March 20th, 2019. Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. Hope you're having a good week wherever you may be. I had a great weekend. I turned the keys over to my house out in uh, Charlotte to start renting it. I've never rented out a house before, so I'm curious to see how that's going to go. Um, but the good news is, is the sooner I can rent that house out, the sooner I can get a place out here in D.C., the sooner me and my wife can start living on our own. Uh, back in episode 135, I did mention that uh, I am living with my in-laws. And no, I, you know, I was asked uh, uh, in a recent feedback email if I was actually living in my in-laws basement. That is half true. You know, I spend a lot of time in the basement. Uh, it's where I do some work and, and where I have a little bit of solace. But I do, of course, me and my wife do have uh, a room here in my in-laws. Uh, with the house being rented out in Charlotte, we can proceed with our own living arrangements here in D.C., for which me and my wife are pretty excited about. Uh, so with that being said, uh, here at Born the Battle, we do appreciate any feedback that we get on an episode. Um, if you have any questions, comments, uh, want to have us read your question on the show, please email us at podcast at va.gov. And I look forward to engaging with some feedback. So I did get an email this week from a listener in the Veteran Benefits Administration uh, within VA, and she asked me uh, in the email, do I know what vet tech is? So I called her up and I said, absolutely not. What is what is vet tech? And she explained it to me, and I was like, oh my gosh, um, yes, let me get this out to our listeners. Uh, so vet tech is a five-year pilot program. It's brand new within the VA that trains veterans in the skills needed by employers in the high-tech sector. VA is looking for training providers to train veterans in computer software, information science, media application, data processing, and computer programming. VA pays the program cost to the provider, and the veterans can receive a housing stipend while in the program. Applications for the first year are open now for training providers. That's the institutions that would be providing the training. To participate, your facility must have been operational for at least two years and to have successfully provided your high-tech program for at least one year. Veterans need one day, that's only one day of GI Bill entitlement to apply, and the training doesn't count against your GI Bill entitlement. For more information, go to the GI Bill website at www.benefits.va.gov forward slash GI Bill. That's www.benefits.va.gov forward slash GI Bill forward slash, and look for Vet Tech at the top of the page. Application for veterans will be open in the early summer. So providers, get your get linked up with Vet Tech, and veterans, be on the lookout for the application for the application opening. I'm really excited to see this program take off because I think uh, high tech, uh, high tech is a really uh, in demand field, and I think this is a great way for the VA and for training providers to get involved and get some veterans in that sector. So our guest this week is a really intriguing one for me uh, personally. I grew up in a rural area right next to my grandpa's farm and a person that attended one of my high schools was Kurt Cobain. Um, I now am far away from that farm living in the hustle and bustle of DC. 
Our guest grew up in the hustle and bustle of Hollis, Queens, New York, and I hear that's Run DMC country. Don't quote me on it. If it is, let me know. And now, after 33 years to this country as a Navy submariner and Army first sergeant with a couple deployments knocked in between, he is now a farmer in a, in a rural, quiet corner of North Carolina. So without further ado, I give to you Valroy Williams. I know working on a farm is the work never, never finishes. Never finishes. That's exactly right. <laughs> that is exactly right. How does a gentleman from Queens become a farmer in North Carolina? Well, I, I guess I started out very, very young in the fact that I was born in Trinidad, West Indies, and we came to the United States and there was not, we didn't have the property to farm and everything else. There was some wild grapes in the backyard and Every time I got to the wide open spaces and I saw the farms and everything else, I said, this is something I would just love to do. And then every two years or so, we'd go back to Trinidad. And in Trinidad, my family had a lot of land, a lot of farms. And you'd hear the stories from my father about growing up and raising pigs and going out into what they would call the bush. And the, the bush. bush, yeah. That's what that in Trinidad, that's what they refer to. Any um, forested area, they call it the bush. So they go out okay. there and go hunting for gooty and um, all these other wild animals and everything else, and all all kinds of fruits and plants and everything. And I just loved it. I loved it. Obviously, during the military, my my. 33 years in the military, it just wasn't something that was an option. <laughs> it wasn't something that I can do. Sure, absolutely. But getting out of the military and retiring, now I've, I've been able to realize uh -huh. my dream. When did you, uh, when did you uh, leave the Navy? I left the Navy in 1987. That's what, that's oh my what, gosh. I'm when, sorry. So 1997, I left the Navy. 1990. I was going to say, man, you look pretty great for your <laughs> well, age. I joined, <laughs> I joined the Navy in 1981. So I joined a long time ago. Okay. I joined December 21st of 1981. So right before Christmas, went to Great Lakes, Illinois, and, <laughs> and spent the next 11 and a half years on submarines punching holes in the water. So what may, tell me about your decision to join the Navy. What, what prompted your decision it to join a, the Navy? <laughs> there's, a, there's a story with, with everything. I was uh, working for American Express. I had just I graduated uh -huh. from high school and was working with them the summers. So this was I worked them for the the summer after I graduated and then got a full time job. And I was there at the job and you know I was right there on right off of Wall Street on Water Street in Manhattan and I had these dreams and aspirations of you know moving up the corporate ladder. And one day my boss called me up and he said, Hey, listen, you know you're working too hard. You're gonna have a heart attack. And I was like, What? You know what I mean? I'm thinking he's going to tell me, hey, you know what I mean? You're doing good work and we're going to do this for you and everything else. And as crazy as it sounds, I was just so upset that he said that to me. The next day, the, I went home that day. I had gotten a recruiting flyer from the Navy and it had a, it had a submarine out there and everything else. And something about pride runs deep. And I... Called the recruiter the next day. I didn't go to work. I called the recruiter the next day. I went down there, and two weeks later, I was gone. I was in the Navy. 
Two weeks later. Two weeks later. They did not waste any time. I'll tell you, I filled out wow. the paperwork in one day and I was, I was, I, I went to the, to the recruiting office and everything. I mean, the counselor's office and that was it. So you just took your, you just took your boss's advice and just after two weeks, within two yeah. weeks, you were gone. Nine. And I'll tell you, that was, <laughs> it, it was one of the best decisions I think I ever made. It was but a rash decision, but a very good decision because I loved, loved the Navy. Great, great institution. I mean, I, I think I was in the best of the best with the submarine force, was able to see the world, do all kinds of things that really everything I wanted to do in the Navy, I was able to do. It was just requesting it and doing it. How did you, um, how did you get in the, how well, did you get in the, the subs? Submarines was, I mean, I went to, I saw the flyer. I was, went to the office and I'm telling you, I was pretty naive about everything with the military. And I kept thinking Jack Cousteau, windows under the, you know, windows underwater and being able to oh see gosh. all this fish and everything else. And I really <laughs> didn't get that conception out of my mind until I was in submarine school. So I'd already been in the Navy, gone to, <laughs> gone to my basic electronic school, gone to basic training. And when I went to submarine school, then I uh -huh. realized, hey, there is no windows on this thing. You know what I mean? This is just black steel. <laughs> so, That's so you you just got into a sub for the first no time. Windows. You're like, oh no, no windows. windows at all. But I would tell you, I mean, when you think about it, I was a sonar technician, so we were really the eyes and ears of the submarine when we were on the water. So if we were, we came the closest to actually mm -hmm. being that window for the submarine. Okay, got you, got you. Um, who was your best friend or your best wow. mentor while you were in the Navy? Well, I'll tell you, coming from New York, <laughs> I <laughs> I guess I had this little toughness in the, you know, when I when I went in. And I had a master, master chief, Taltaval. He was the chief of the boat. He was this guy gotcha. that he would, when he got mad, he would be all red all over and he would just go ballistic on you. And I'm going <laughs> to tell you something. I made so many I did so many things, so many mistakes, and it was like Master, Master Chief was just, he really, really was the first mentor I had in the, in the military, in the sense that he kept yeah. looking out for me, he, you know, meaning I didn't have it easy, he would, he would jump on my, you know, jump on me and as far as qualifications and everything else, but he did some phenomenal things for me, like in, when we went into the... Um, first overhaul of a 688 class submarine, he allowed me to mm -hmm. go to another submarine in order to finish my qualifications. That was, that was a, a godsend because I was able to qualify submarines in 90 days and on that submarine. Is that not, is that not, is that, that not normal? No, no, no. That's, you that? basically get a year, a little over a year to qualify submarines. So to do it in 90 days, it's not unheard of, it. Wow. but it is very rare. Very, very rare. Wow. Wow. And he allowed you oh, that yeah. opportunity because, I mean, yeah. oh, that's great. That's really then, great. I, I think he just saw that I was, you know, maybe not the um, the sharpest soldier, the sailor and everything else. But I think he realized that my heart was in the right place gotcha. and that I was all about working. I had, I had no problems working whatsoever. So, I mean, qualifications, I was able to excel both on the Los Angeles, the Bremerton, and then every other subsequent su submarine. And all of that, I really have to say, it was Master Chief Toltaval, you know, that really gave me that basis. He's, for he's my saying time it for success, pretty much. Oh, yes, most definitely. Did you spend time in Bremerton? 
No, I never did. I never, I went, I, my first duty station on a submarine was in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. And I was there for two and a half years. (laughs) Great, great place. And you know, I'll tell you, with the military, military is, it's, from the time you come in, it's always, it's a learning curve and it's new experiences that you have never had before in the past. Like, I'll be honest with you, there's a lot of people that wanted to go to Hawaii. I was a person that did not want to go to Hawaii. Why? What I wanted to do, I, all I wanted to do was join the Navy, come back to New York, or be as close to New York as possible because I just love New York. Sure. And I got orders to Hawaii, and I was immediately, I was trying to switch. I was trying to switch with everyone. You know what I mean? And there were a couple and of guys you, you that had were gonna, no, You had no takers for Hawaii? <laughs> I believe it or not, I had people that wanted to go to Hawaii, but they didn't want to go to my submarine. So they wanted to go to other submarines and everything else. So I actually got no one, no one whatsoever. So I ended up just having to take those orders. And it's, again, it's when you're new, everybody's new. So they don't know, everybody's kind of scared about making the wrong decision and everything else. So a lot of times you just go with what they give you. Sure, sure, absolutely. (laughs) That's amazing that you didn't find one person to go, yeah, Hawaii, uh, I'll take that. You know, just, I mean, that's, that's incredible. Exactly. And it's, you know, you have to think about it too. It's, yeah, it sounds like paradise and everything else, but it's so far away from home. Sure. And you join the military and for the first, you know, you're in basic training, you don't go home. After basic training, you go right to another duty station. So you go to that duty station. Then you, then we went to submarine school. So I was one of those few people because submarine school is in Groton, Connecticut, not too far from New York. So I was able to go home and see my family. But most people, they have in the Navy at that time anyway, it would be nine months, a year before they'd be able to go home for the first time. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes I, I understand that. I totally mm-hmm. get that. What is one thing that you learned while you were in service that you apply to your trade today? Wow. Like basically, <laughs> what did you learn in the military that has helped you out as a farmer? Okay. Well, from the Navy, I learned make it happen. Regardless of what's going on, you make it happen. So if you you don't have the right tools, you make what you have work. And with the Army, I would say that I learned the fact that you can't do it alone and that you kind of have to have a group or a network of people that can assist, meaning people that you can call to get information people that you can call to get assistance and uh-huh. to, to get things done. Because, uh-huh. you know, in the Army, everything really is teamwork. There really is. There's nothing that you really do by yourself. Everything is, you know, you take this group of three or four individuals and you get this task done. In the, in then, the Navy, right? You, you no, you that was the Army. But the Navy, believe it or not, even though you were on a submarine, you're all working together, you're dependent on everyone, but still you have your individual tasks. And your individual task is essential to the success of that submarine. You knew that, hey, when, when I'm sitting on this, what we call the sonar stack and uh-huh. I'm, I'm listening to ambient noise out in the ocean, uh-huh. I know that it's, it's only me. There's no backup to me. <laughs> so if something, if I were to miss something, miss a sound and everything else, I can endanger the lives of every single person on that submarine. In, in the army, it's not as individualized. It is, if you make a mistake, there's still four or five people out there doing the same task. People sure. that are, there's redundancy built in. 
in yeah. the Navy, you don't have that because there's just too many people. There's, there's too many. Um, I'm sorry. This you can't fit that many people in a sub. Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. To have that kind of redundancy. So it's very self-reliant. It's very Most self-reliant. Definitely. Very, uh, very single point, uh, one person, heavy load. Exactly. Um, so y- what your takeaway is, is that y- you've, you take you took that away from the Navy and you've applied it to farming? Right. Exactly. So you got out in 97, but you uh, you started farming about a year ago? No. Well, I got out of the Navy in 1997, gotcha. joined gotcha. the Army National Guard in 1999, and then uh-huh. went active Army in 2005. Oh, okay. So you split time between Navy and then went back in the Army. Exactly. So so what was your total service number of years? Well, altogether, I have 33 years of service. So oh my gosh. out of that, 28 years of active duty. And then the rest is the time that I was in college and I was in active, reserve, in active reserves. Got you. And what time, what, what was the uh, year that you finally uh, hung up the uniform? Well, that was last year. La- Fe- last year. Yep. February 28th of last year was my last day on active duty. Oh my gosh. So how did you um, transition to farming? How did it go from taking off the uniform and putting on the straw hat? Well, as which is this is another great thing because what they've done with the military is they kind of have different classes that you can go to if you're interested in doing going into different career fields once you leave. And like on, on base? On base, exactly. Okay. And I went to two of those classes. One was the soldiers to agriculture class. It was a five-week mm-hmm. class. And basically what it did was introduce us to different types of agriculture, be it um, God. producing, um, planting, be it um, taking care of animals, um, and everything, everything kind of in between. You know what I mean? Growing, growing things for livestock all kinds of food production, et cetera. So they just basically gave you like a taste of everything. So you'd go out to local farms, you'd go out to seed producers. And we had a lot of people from NC State, North Carolina State University, who kind uh-huh. of monitored, who created this program and they kind of managed the program for the military. And they would come down and give us different classes on propagating plants, um, how to set up a garden, composting, different things like that. And also just to give us kind of an inkling on what the industry is like if we wanted to just go into the industry. So I did that class and I also did another class on um, to get my commercial driver's license because I figured that having a, a commercial driver's license would enable me to kind of transport my own product, produce. So I did both of those oh, okay. classes when I was there. and Cut down on some of the, cut down on some of the costs. Exactly. Exactly. And I'll tell you, they were both both phenomenal classes. I got so much from the agricultural class. And from the agricultural class, we had re- the instructor created this yeah. veterans network here for North Carolina. And we had a Facebook page where people would connect and say, basically, hey, I have these um, three goats that I want to sell. Or I have these this um, rooster that I need to get rid of because I have too many roosters. And we gotcha. would connect that. What's way. the, what's the, what's the name of that Facebook? It's um, the North Carolina veteran, veteran farmers. Okay. And people can search that on Facebook. Just like look at exactly. Okay. Exactly. It's a closed right. group. So no one, you have to be invited to go in and basically the moderator just looks to make sure that you've, you're an actual veteran, right. Or a spouse. And they, they, but it, so even though it's a closed group, you can still request yes. access. 
Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. The veteran farmers are just all seem to be in kind of the same position that I'm in, whether they've been doing it for two years, five years. I have some that have been doing it for 10 years. We're all learning and we're kind of learning together because we're coming from a common experience, that being serving in the military and Mm -hmm. not necessarily growing up in farming. There's a few that have grown up in farming. And so they've, they're just going back to what they used to do. But most of us, this is completely different than anything we've ever done as far as operating a tractor, you know what I mean? Going out there and taking care of the cows, taking care of the goats, uh, helping animals as far as um, when they're birthing, taking care of the, the chickens and everything else and knowing, Hey, this is the right time to harvest. And this is the right time to process. And this is how you process. Uh-huh. So I've, since I've been here, it seems everywhere I go, where it'd be tractor supply, agri supply, or any of these other places, it just seems like you connect, you just meet somebody, they ask, they, they say, Hey, I was in the military, or you see something on their clothing that indicates military, and you start sure. talking and you find out, Hey, they've got a little farm, a little homestead, and they're doing a little something. And they want to check out what you're doing, and you check out what they're doing, and then you share, Hey, the successes from them and from yourself and put it together in order to create something better. And I can tell you with everything I've done on the farm so far, this has been since October of last year, there's been nothing I've done that I really didn't have some other veteran farmers, local veteran farmers that have kind of assisted me in doing it. Very cool. So from there, I met a guy that was PCSing. He was doing a permanent change of station and leaving North Carolina and going up to New York. And he wanted to sell his home, wanted to sell the farm, wanted to sell the animals, everything complete. Oh my gosh. And I'll tell you, I, I looked at it and I was like, oh, you know, I, cause at that time I did not think that I was going to stay in North Carolina. My plan was to go to Florida cause I have some property there in Florida. And I saw gotcha. this and for some reason it's like, I felt like God just told me, Hey, you need to check this out. And I contacted him on Facebook and I said, I would like to see the property. Uh, about two weeks later, I came to the property and loved it. Absolutely. How far far away, how far away was the drive? Well, I was actually, (laughs) I was in California at that time driving a commercial truck, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So I was waiting until I came back from, um, my actual training and I needed to come back to Fort Bragg. And that was when I, when I actually saw him. So that's why I waited two weeks before I was able to come over and see the property. And you fell in love with the place. Exactly. First first time. Walked around. His wife, he wasn't even here. His wife took us around. And it was me and some other veteran farmers from the same soldiers agriculture class. And yeah. walked around. They had, had a pond. They had a little creek, a little forested area, tons of paddocks for the animals to run. They had three, yeah. um, what is it, a bull, a cow, and a heifer at that time. And then like 30 chickens. And I said, this is it. And I, I told her right then and there, I said, okay, I'll buy it. And she said, well, what do you, what about the other things? I said, listen, I'll, I'll buy everything. <laughs> and <laughs> that was it. I bought everything. I bought everything. I'm, I, we. So you were, you were there with other students from the agriculture yes. class? Would, did you have any uh, competition? No, I, well, I shouldn't say that. Yeah, there was, there was one guy who, who looked at the house and everything else, but he loved it. Uh-huh. But the, he just said his wife would not want to be this far away from from Raleigh and everything else. Because I mean, out here, it's not the it's not 
you're not really far away from everything, but you're you're away from everything. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah. You got you, you. It's not. It's not just five minutes to the grocery exactly. store. No, not at all. Not at all. It's about fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes to um to Walmart, and there's pretty much nothing in between. <laughs> exactly. So it's a drive. It's a drive. So are you close to um Rocky Mount? What's what's the nearest city to you? The closest city to me is, even though I'm red, my address is Red Springs. The closest city is Ray, is Rayford, and Rayford is actually just three miles. Three miles away, downtown Rayford. But downtown okay. Rayford is, you know, downtown is probably four blocks. You know okay. what I mean? Courthouse, police station, library, some stores, and then that's it. So the biggest place to really get anything or do anything would be Fayetteville. Okay, and so you're, you're still near Fayetteville somewhere. Yes, near Fayetteville. exactly. Yeah. So I'm probably about 40 minutes away from Fayetteville and maybe about 45 to 50 minutes away from downtown Fayetteville. So, I mean, yeah, it's close enough where you can get things done, but it's just, but it's far enough where you have to really think, hey, when I'm going there, I need to do all five, six things that I need to get done. I'm going to get done today because I'm not going back again tomorrow. Yeah. My, uh, my, my grandpa used to tell me stories about the farm, um, about the, the old Iskra farm and his father had to get up early in the morning. If they were going to town, it was like a mental choice to like get the team of horses and, and go early, early, early in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then that way they can get back before nightfall because the Iskra farm is about probably about 28 miles from the nearest town where there would be a general store. Wow. So yeah, I, I really, uh, my grandfather passed in September of last year. Oh, sorry. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, he was the the last of a of an old breed that really knew what it was like in that area before electricity. Exactly. You know, and and I used to love listening to his stories because it was a simpler time. You know, he's talk about the depression that it was for him. It was one of the be- some of the best years of his life because they didn't rely on anybody. <laughs> they had their own food. They had enough to. Um, and I have a grandpa. The 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 those were depression years. That, you know, that was a lot, hard time for a lot of people. He goes, he goes, no, he goes, we had a lot of food. We were able to sell excess food that we didn't, uh, we didn't, weren't going to eat. And we actually made a little money and we were totally self-reliant. Mm-hmm. And it was for him, it was some of the best years in in, in his life were like the depression years, right. which I found that to be really amazing, but it's because he was on a farm, mm-hmm. you know? So exactly, exactly. I, I, that's, that self-reliance is, is a phenomenal, it really is. It's, it is a phenomenal thing. And that's, I'll tell you, there's a lot of, um, on YouTube, there's a lot of um, farmers that are kind of going to this where they're zero waste. So they're using all of the products and they're trying to completely eat off of their own farm. I love that stuff. Yeah. I just think that that's fantastic. You know what I mean? When you wake up, you go outside, you pick up the fresh eggs, you pick up some vegetables, you cook whatever it is on the yeah. stove. And that's the way you live because you know where your food is coming from. And when you do that kind yeah, of my thing, wife doesn't get my, my wife doesn't get the fact that I want a chest freezer. She's like, why? I was like, because I want my cow for the year. I want to buy one cow, exactly. you know, or half a cow. Right. And I, she doesn't know that life at all, mm-hmm. you know. Well, tell her to come out here. I, I've, <laughs> I've got <laughs> I've got two bulls in the freezer right now. <laughs> probably one, <laughs> probably one, one and a little, a little over one left. You know what I mean? But it's been slowly dwindling yeah. down and everything else. And it's fantastic, phenomenal amazing. because you you know that animal, you know that that is good meat, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and it's not just a bunch of animals in, in a, in a year. It's like you, it's the one cow that's, that was T-bone that, you know, that we raised and fed right. and, and you know exactly what, what went into that cow. Exactly. You know, I, I do miss that life a yeah. lot. Yeah. So I, I, I'll uh, tell you this, it's, it's not that hard to get into it because there's, there's just so much, you don't need a lot. I mean, as far as property, Five acres. I have a, of a buddy of mine who's also a veteran, retired, yeah. and he's got five acres, and he does so much with that property. He's got great finds. He's got he he raises ducks, he raises chickens just mm. for just to, for himself and everything else as far as um just the eggs for himself. But he's his big production is the grapes, the ducks, and what else does he do? Oh, um, garlic, chicken, garlic. Yeah, he raises, he he um, grows garlic, and he sells that. He basically sells that. So he sells the grapes. How do you fun. get your how do you how do you get your products to market? Is it well, a farmers market, local farmers I, market, or what is it? I have basically I've decided that I'm not doing any of those. And the reason being is that the time away from the farm, trying to go to the farmers market where it is productive, it's just sure it's just too much time for me being a solo farmer to be away from the farm. So my hope is that people will come here. And I'll, I've been blessed in the sense that I'm right on, a, on what we call a major highway here, which is 211, right? And everyone- I love that you said that, what, what, what we, we call, call it. Yeah, highway. we call it, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I say that, I say that tongue in cheek because it's, it's only a two lane road. You know what I mean? One lane going one way, one lane going the other way. But all the trucks, yeah. everything comes through here. So I probably get, hmm. A couple of thousand trucks, cars, you know, you, you can't, you can't live here in this area and not come down the street for something. So you pass, everyone knows my, my, knows my farm and they know where the property is and everything else. So that's kind of worked out. So if I, like I've, I've, um, I had some chickens for sale, they were sold out in days. Oh my gosh. They'd just be. And that was no advertising whatsoever. None. Just, <laughs> None just whatsoever. A, I guess the, the sign in front of the farm. Chickens for sale. No, not even that. Just the word of mouth. Oh my God. People coming by and saying, Hey, I see you have some chickens. Do you have any for sale? Wow. And that was it. Wow. Yeah. I just per- I just um had a hundred got a hundred baby chickens. And so far, and that was a week and a half ago. And so far, 60 are gone already. Oh my gosh. What does a chicken go for? And again, the, well, the baby chickens are going for two dollars. Okay. Wow. So these are brand new baby chickens. You know, and so people that want to, you know, don't want to incubate chick- chicken eggs and everything else, and they just want some, some live chickens. Yeah, the they're inexpensive because of the fact that you don't know what you're getting because they're so small, so you don't know if you're getting a rooster or a hen. And obviously, most people want the hens. Sure, but then there are other people that just don't care because they're just looking to raise chickens for meat. Gotcha. And in that sense, you're probably better off with the. With the rooster, because the rooster is going to be bigger. Yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. What what uh what else do you do on your farm besides chickens? Well, I have ducks, I have turkeys, I have goats, I have cows, and then right now I'm getting ready to plant as soon as the frost is over. Sure. And it was supposed to be last night was supposed to be our last cold night. So I'm hoping that Let's sometime that. this weekend, before the rain, I can put something in the ground. Has it been as wet out in North Carolina as it has been here in Virginia? Oh extremely extremely wet which is great <laughs> because that's setting us up for the, the spring and the summer so I'm, I'm really expecting some good things the bad part is 
that we've had a lot of trees that don't know what the weather is. They don't know what the yeah. season is. Yeah. So what they've done is they've come to life about two times already this season. They've bloomed early. Exactly. Mm. They've bloomed. They've stopped. They've bloomed again. So right now my plum trees are blooming. I mean, they're doing phenomenally well. Now, if we go into some extended frost again, we're going to have some problems. Gotcha. gotcha. So where can people follow what you're doing? Uh, is it, Where can people follow your farm? What's the name of your farm? How can people uh, interact with you? How can people, uh, you know, get right. involved? I would, I would love everyone to just go on our Facebook page and it's um, Beyond Worth Farm. And basically, we try to do bi-weekly updates on Beyond Worth Farm just to show what we're doing and everything else as far as the progress. Okay. I have a webpage, and that's beyondworth.com. That's really uh -huh. focused on the property in Florida. And I'm hoping to kind of develop that property more once I've gotten everything, everything to a manageable level here in North Carolina. So that's really the issue. And all my contact information there, I um, I definitely invite people to come out to the farm. You can fish in the pond. Um, we have some nice big big bass, big mouth bass there in the pond right, to um, walk the grounds and everything else. And in the process right now, putting a trail around the property so people can just take little nature walks and everything else. And as we develop more, we're planting fruit trees and everything else. We kind of like to make it a, a destination where people can come to and spend a half a day and enjoy themselves out in nature. So anybody can come anybody can come out and just exactly. enjoy your farm. Sounds like uh sounds like a paradise a little bit. Sounds like yeah, a little bit a little bit of piece of a little bit of piece of heaven there. It is. It, it definitely is. And I think once I look at the pictures and everything else like we're growing, so we we're, we're not there yet, but it's definitely a place where I think a lot of the, the people that have come so far, I've gotten some great reviews. Got you. Um, what is your ultimate goal with all your farming endeavors? The ultimate goal would be to have educational classes right here on the farm where people would learn about healthy cooking, healthy eating, okay? just and That's exercize. Important. Things yeah. things about why why eat, why go organic. You know what I mean? Why mass producing things kind of doesn't work at all the time. It's the, the fact is that going back to a simpler life with simpler materials and simpler sure. diet and everything else is so much beneficial for people. Makes and sense. I'd like to be able to do that here on the property. And then also just kind of get everything on the property working together. Right now I try to like we rotate the animals and everything else. So the animals are kind of adding to the ground. You know what I mean? Where the, after the cows have gone through, the chickens come in and they add their little bit and everything else. Sure. So I, I'd like to kind of develop that some more here on the property. Yeah. And I, make I it a destination. That's one of the things I miss about living on a farm. And I really do miss that that simpler life that uh, that affords, you know. Exactly. So, um, yep. it, it, exactly. I, it's such a good thing that you're doing. Uh, mm -hmm. I appreciate it and thank you for the time to do this and hopefully we can get more more far, more veteran farmers out there. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you very much Tanner. And uh, yeah, that would be fantastic if more people would just think think about this kind of lifestyle. It's not it, it may not be for everyone, but it's definitely a nice way to live.
We grew up together. We believed in something bigger than ourselves. The military took me to one side of the world and her to the other. And even though she was always the strong one, when we caught up years later, I found out she had fallen on some hard times. It was her call to make, but doing it together made all the difference. For veterans who are homeless or on the brink of homelessness, call 877-424-3838. And we want to thank uh, Valroy Williams for taking the time out of his day to conduct that interview. Uh, I hope that helps. I hope his information helps any future prospective veteran farmers out there. As always, for any more information on Born in the Battle, you can follow the Department of Veterans Affairs on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's uh, the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs or Department of Veterans Affairs. No matter where on social media we are, you can always find us with that blue check mark. Go ahead and give us a follow, a like. For future episodes, you can find us at blogs.va.gov or any podcatching app on your device of choice. If you have any feedback for this episode or any future episodes or you have a show idea or a question or a comment or some engagement that we can uh, have here on the show, you can reach out to me at podcast.va.gov. Thanks for listening. See you here next week.